Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. All right, rolling along. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. I want to say one more thing quickly about what we touched on at the very end of the hour. Because <coughs> I don't say this lightly. Rob Manfred is someone that I know a little. I don't know him well. I've been in his presence maybe six, seven times in my life. I like him. And um, and I knew his predecessor much better, Bud Selig. He's someone that I got to know quite well over the years and someone I had a lot of affection for. And one of the things they have in common is they have a very hard job, maybe the hardest job in sports, because whenever you try and change anything in baseball, everyone immediately becomes defensive. Baseball fans are much more defensive of the long-established way we've been doing things than the fans in any other sport. And that is both a blessing and a curse. I had this conversation with Selig many times. I remember at the height of the steroid stuff, which people still mostly unfairly attached to him. I mean, he was the commissioner when it happened. We can't pretend that isn't the case, but it would have happened regardless of who the commissioner was. But let's not even re-adjudicate that. For some reason, at the same time, it was clear that performance-enhancing drugs played some role in what was going on in other sports as well, and there wasn't a peep. No one said a word. And the conversation that I had with Commissioner Selig at the time, on and off the air, was that it is both baseball's blessing and curse that people feel that way about it. The love people feel for it, the personal attachment people feel for it, is obviously a wonderful thing. Any business wants that. But it also comes with the kind of scrutiny that the other sports frequently don't get. So that brings us to Rob Manfred. Rob Manfred becomes the commissioner of baseball again um, as they selected him over me in whatever year that was. I continue to, to be a little put off by my not having been listed as one of the options. I mean, could they have just, after all the years that I spent on Mike and Mike campaigning for that job, and frankly, I think I'd be very good at it. They couldn't even have just thrown my name into the hat as a goof. Ridiculous. Would have been fun. Mm. Anyway, they gave it to Rob. And I will say this right now. I had a ton of ideas. I'm not sure I would have had the stones to do what he did here. Changing, putting a pitch clock into Major League Baseball is the most fundamental change that has taken place in any sport that I can think of since the addition of the three-point line in basketball. I'm old enough to remember when there was no shot clock in college basketball. There used to be something they would call the four corners offense where teams would basically get a lead. Dean Smith was legendary for this. They'd get a little bit of a lead and then they would legitimately start running the clock out with like 10 minutes left in a game. It was excruciating. It was horrible for the sport. And so they put a shot clock in college basketball. That's a major change, right? What could be more changing fundamentally the way the game has changed? The biggest changes that we've seen in football have mostly had to do with Hitting, how you hit people, they're safety-related. Great. They've been great. Uh, again, people kicking and screaming, right? Players hated it. Fans hated it. Oh, oh, oh. No one even talks about it anymore. Not even talked about it anymore because it was a 1,000% the right thing to do. As sports, sports fans, we just like to fetch about things. Hockey, they obviously made significant changes to the way games will end, the shootout, all that kind of stuff. Seems to me they've been very well-received and people generally like them. To put a pitch clock into Major League Baseball, forgetting about the size of the bases and the getting rid of the shift, those are important changes that will manifest themselves in real ways on the field. But I don't think the world would have lost its mind if they had just the the amount of attention this got and the amount of hand-wringing and hembo. 
I, I come to you because you spend a lot of time watching the MLB network, right? I mean, you, you hear mm-hmm. this and, and listening to baseball podcasts and stuff much more than I do. So the hand wringing over the base, the size of the bases and the, the um, uh, elimination of the shift was comparatively, what, 10% of the hand-wringing that existed over the pitch clock? No, no doubt. Rob Manfred yeah. has elected to time an untimed game. I totally agree with you. I think, I think some are even understating the significance of the decision because there are so many other ones. But baseball is completely recognizable in relation to one year ago. And what, for, for the longest time, people believed to be baseball's greatest feature— no longer exists. It takes an enormous amount of courage to do it. And to his credit, it wasn't whimsical. They used years of data in the minor league to get to minor leagues to get to that point because now they know for sure, regardless of the hand wringing and regardless of the complaining, we know for sure this is going to work. Look at all the evidence we have to support it. So let me say something again. I'm not Rob Manfred's PR representative. It doesn't make one bit of difference to me if you like him or not. But who's going to give him credit? Like, who's going to stand up and say, man, that is a gutsy decision to make, and it was right. Someone needs to do that. doesn't matter coming from me, because I'm not one of the people that stood there and criticized him all the time. This is a guy that everyone thinks they don't like because he made one ill-advised statement. The words came out of his mouth that the, the championship trophy was a piece of metal. They are words he has acknowledged. It was a terrible choice of words. And, and the, the problem with words when you're a public figure is once they come out of your mouth, you can't put them back in again. So he shouldn't have said that, and he knows that. But for crying out loud, it was just a bad turn of phrase. We, someone needs to give him this. Someone, here's the person who has integrity. The, the sports fan, the baseball, not fan, the, the baseball journalist, the baseball uh, commentator that has integrity is the one who's going to stand up and say, Rob Manfred got this right. I give him a lot of credit because those people are always the first to jump up and down when he does things they disagree with. And again, I can just hear you right now. Oh, Greeny, why are you on, on his? Why are you trying to be his peer? I really am not. I don't care. I barely know Rob Manfred. It makes literally no difference to me. I continue to believe I should have been the commissioner of Major League Baseball. So, if anything, I'm still a little put off by that. <laughs> but where are all the people who said he was the worst thing that ever happened to the sport? Where are they? Like, why do people get so quiet when they're wrong about things? If there's one thing I've gotten right in 30 years in this business, I tell you when I was wrong. I've had a million opinions that were wrong. I used to be standing at the top of the mountain. If you were listening to Mike and Mike, you know. I didn't think any of the steroid guys should get into the Hall of Fame. I didn't. I thought they should have thrown them out of the sport. You know what? I was wrong. I was dead wrong. And I was wrong because I thought this was a problem that something like 5% of the players were using steroids. And had that been the case, I would absolutely have stood by my opinion. But it has now become obvious to me that something much closer to 50% of the players were using. And so you can't react the same way. You can't sit here and pretend an entire era of baseball never happened. And I don't want to re-adjudicate that one either. But what I'm saying is I was wrong. I admit it completely I was wrong. And I've been wrong about a million things and I'll always be the first one to tell you. Where are you? If you are one of these people who has been telling us that Rob Manfred doesn't love the sport, doesn't care, is the worst person, that worst thing that ever happened in Major League Baseball, where are you today? Because this thing is a freaking smashing success. It's taken one weekend to convert like hundreds of thousands of people to right. baseball. Right. If, if we're, you can't have it both ways. 
You, can, you cannot be, he's the worst person in the world. I, look, that's the job of the commissioner. Just like if it's the job of the president, you get too much credit and too much blame. But in this case, he deserves all the credit in the world for at minimum facilitating the process by which we got here. Baseball is way better today than it was a year ago. And we shouldn't sit here and pretend like we were all on board this whole time. I was. For the record, I was on board. Sure. So this is one This is one where, once again, my genius, mine is that sort of rare genius that will not be fully appreciated until long after, after its time. The genius, you said? Your genius. He's genius, eh? We're not going to appreciate your brilliance until you're gone. Brilliant. I was right. That's all I want to say. In this one, I was right. I'll tell you when I was wrong. What was I wrong about in baseball? I was wrong about the steroid stuff. What else was I? What else have I been wrong about? I was dead right about about the All Star Game. Dead right. Oh, I was right. We are. That is still very much up for debate. Very much giving up for home field advantage to the league that won the All Star Game rather than just alternating on a year by year basis between which league would get it made sense. If there was a pure randomness, if there was no merit involved in a league earning home field advantage in the World Series, and there was absolutely nothing wrong with giving it to the league that won the All-Star game. It was, in fact, genius, and it was my idea. (laughs) They were listening to me the morning after the game ended in a tie, and they took my idea and ran with it. You're welcome. What you should have said was, we should reward home field advantage to the team with the better record in the regular season. That's why they play 162 of those. It's not that good an idea. This is Greeny coming to you live from the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. We are brought to you in part by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. We are also presented by Progressive Insurance. We got to get to the most intriguing name in sports this month. We will. Plus, I got some basketball. I haven't even gotten to the NBA yet. I got to get to a bunch of that. Uh, so stick around. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. It's demon time on Prize Picks, where you can now win up to 100 times your money. That's right, 100, 100 times, times your money. money. With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at Prize Picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance. So that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make PrizePix the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to prizepix.com slash Greenberg and use code Greenberg for a first deposit matchup to $100. That's prizepix.com slash Greenberg, code Greenberg, for a first deposit matchup to $100. PrizePix. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to turn your car into the mvp and bring home that win keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply 
Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Greeny, the podcast. This is Greeny. In having a conversation with my daughter, we started talking about what people would call me if and when someday she has children. Definitely do not want to be Grandpa Mike. Like, I have zero interest in that. The kids can't just call me Greeny. Yes, in theory they could, but that wouldn't seem right. So I was thinking maybe they could call me the Hall of Famer Mike Greenberg. I thought that might work. That's a mouthful. Yeah, but let them learn early. This is Greeny. Yeah, I held Hembo's babies yesterday. I had Michelle and the other one. Once again, we had a discrepancy, which is to say that Hembo, the one who is allegedly named Michelle, did not react well to me. She cried and seemed uncomfortable when I held her. The other one, who, to the best of my knowledge, doesn't even have a name, was very happy to be held by me. And so I move that we change them and that we give the other one the name Michelle and then you can, the one, Michelle, who cried when I held her, you could do whatever you want with that. Have you ever considered the fact that you might be the one personally responsible here for their behavior? No. I mean, there's no question. Babies is a ten- tendency like me. And I think, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with the idea of changing their names right now. Just swap them. What did you say the other one's name is? Uh, Charlotte. She should become Michelle. So there's no reason for that not I, to be the case. I don't understand your assertion that babies, ten- babies' tendencies is babies to like Babies like me. Y- it's, it was obvious to me that you had not held a baby since your own. You were very uncomfortable around her. Rarely. I don't hold a lot of babies. Who walks around holding babies? Well, I mean, I would have figured at some point in the last 20 years, a friend of yours may have had one. You nah, may have been asked I'm to not sign holding one a baby. I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you right now. And I mean this. I don't hold your baby. If you have a baby, I don't want to hold it. Would you sign it? I would. <laughs> a, fan, a fan's baby. Would you sign a fan's baby? If, if they asked me to sign the baby, we'd have to talk about it. But here's what I would say. Yesterday, I was just kind of handed the baby. Right. And there was nothing I could really do. I, now I've got a baby. But I mean, I, I just want I, just, just everyone in America, just so if you're listening to me right now, I love you and I appreciate all of the support that you have given me through my life and my career. And I want to give back in any way I can. But if you have a baby, I don't want to hold it. I'm not dying. If you walk up to me in Madison Square Park later today when I'm walking around, oh, Greeny, look, I had a baby. I, I, I don't want to hold it. <laughs> I'm not holding anybody. I, I'm, I'm, I've held all the babies I need to hold. Why is that funny? Because someday you'll maybe have a grandbaby. I mean, I have to hold it. And it's not obvious what they're going to call you still after, talk, after talking about it. I think it. the Hall of Famer Mike Greenberg. Uh, and hopefully bumps. pretty soon the best-selling author of Got Your Number, Mike Greenberg. We'll put all that in there. What a mouthful. Again, tomorrow is our release date. We thank everybody for the excitement. What we're talking about was our book signing yesterday, which was fabulous. So many people came out to see us in New Jersey. We're so thankful. It was really a fun, nice day in every way. Your mother made me hummus, which always makes me happy. Phoebe was there. So it was just a good, it was just a good day in every way. And it got this process off to a beautiful start. So it's going to be a busy and big week for us. And people have been so nice to ask, how can we help you? Well, there's two very simple ways you can support us. It really nothing, there's nothing more complicated about it than this. The first is, is please buy our book. If you are interested, if the subject matter, if sports history and sports debate are things you like, then just buy it. Got your number. Buy 10 copies. Give them out as gifts. That, that's, that goes without saying. And, but then the other one is spread the word. Uh, the number one 
motivator that people have in buying books is word of mouth. So you'd be stunned for all the talking about it that we do here and everywhere else that we do. How many people have no idea that this book exists? So if you have social media, whatever the case may be, just mentioning it to your friends, people you think would like it, that would be the number one way that you could help us. And we thank you as always. Okay, Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. Let's talk about Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is a complicated dude in so many ways. He's fascinating to me because... He is, uh, he has sort of an old school feel to him and a very new school attitude. So I never am quite sure what to make of him. Like most people, I was underwhelmed by the way he handled his departure from Oklahoma City to Golden State. You know, it's fascinating the way people talked about LeBron's departure from Cleveland the first time the decision and all of the attention that got and all that, and the way he kind of undid all of that by going back. First by winning and then by going back. And Kevin Durant, it feels like this has stuck to him more than everything stuck to LeBron, for whatever reason. But it is merely worth saying out loud that in the last 25 games that Kevin Durant has played in the NBA, his team's record is 23-2. and Now, of course, he played... Most of those games as a Brooklyn net. Six of those 25 games have come as a Phoenix Sun. In those six games, Phoenix is 6-0. and Durant has scored 30 and 35 points in his last two games for Phoenix upon his return from injury. He's only been back for three games. First one, he was a little rusty. Now he's gone for 35 and 30 points. And I think it is reasonable to say... That if, I, if you told me I have to pick a team to come out of the West this year, I would take Phoenix. I can't believe I'm saying that because by the time this, the playoffs roll around, uh, Durant will have played a total of, what, 10 games as a Suns? Nine or 10 games? Mm-hmm. <coughs> they will not be a top three seed. And yet I would pick them. In fact, I think teams are going to be jockeying to avoid them. The things to watch this pa- last week of the season is not just who tries to win, but who tries to manufacture the seeding. If you are six in the West when this is all said and done, you wind up with Sacramento. If you are five in the West when this is all said and done, you wind up with Phoenix. Is there any member of this hashtag crew that would rather play Phoenix than Sacramento in the first round? Cam? Baba, is it even worth asking the question? No, thanks. I'll take Sacramento. Now let me give you an even more ridiculous question. Do you risk the play-in? Do you risk a one-and-done scenario? The team that finishes seventh has to win one of two games to make the actual playoffs. And then... If you are seventh, if you win the first of those two games, you wind up playing Memphis in the first round. Would you even consider trying to manufacture a scenario where you'd rather be seventh than fifth? No, not, not in that case, because the downside is too significant. And there's also, in my judgment, a pretty sizable gap between Memphis and Sacramento based upon the fact that Memphis has John Morant, and they do have some equity built up from How about Denver? last year. See, Denver scares me too. I think Denver's pretty good. 
They're, of course they're, they're pretty good. But the, are they as good as Phoenix? Are they as, would you rather play them or the Clippers in a playoff series? I would rather play them. You'd rather play Denver? I would rather play Would Denver. you rather play them or Phoenix? I would rather play them. That's two. Would you rather play Denver or Golden State? I would rather play, I would rather play Denver. That's three. Yeah, yeah. So all of a sudden you're telling me mm. that you want to set yourself up for that immediately or you could avoid whoever that is on that side. Let's, say, let's just say for the sake of argument you're the Lakers and LeBron. You wind up, if you wind up in the 7-8 game and you win that, and who knows, you could play, where is everybody now? I can't keep track of it. Minnesota is right in there. There's, a whole, there's like five teams that are tied in the loss column, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, let's just, I'm just making up a scenario. You're the Lakers and you wind up playing Oklahoma City or Minnesota. I think Oklahoma City is actually below that. Uh, they're 10 right now. They're, they're, yeah, but they're, how far back are they? So right now, Minnesota is one game ahead of OKC, which is one game ahead of Dallas for the 10 seed. Dallas is a freaking disaster. Yeah, what's happened to them? What has happened to Oof. Dallas is unbelievable. They got Kyrie Irving and became terrible. I mean, genuinely terrible. And Everyone connected to them, everyone around them keeps telling me, Greeny, it's not Kyrie. Greeny, it's not Kyrie. Of course it's Kyrie. That doesn't mean that he's the problem. It means it isn't working. You don't acquire a player of the magnitude of Kyrie Irving, lose seven out of eight games when you had been comfortably ensconced in the four spot, fall completely out of the playoffs, and then say, yeah, that worked. It doesn't mean that Kyrie is behaving badly. It doesn't mean he hasn't been a good locker room influence. It doesn't mean he hasn't been playing well. It doesn't mean any of those. But obviously, it means the trade has been a disaster. What else can you say? It's it's ridiculous. Their decision not to re-sign Jalen Brunson, their decision for him to walk. Horrendous. And everything that they have since had to do to scramble is going to wind up, it could wind up, Blowing apart the organization. It could wind up costing them Luka. If you're Luka Doncic and you're looking at the whole situation and you're saying where we stand right now, if they lose Kyrie this offseason for nothing, which is what I think is going to happen, he's going to sign with the Lakers or someone, and you're going to be Luka and you're going to say, we had Jalen Brunson and we let him go, and then we had Kyrie Irving, whom we traded Dorian Finney-Smith and Spencer Dinwiddie for, and now now all three of them are gone. Yeah. And I'm standing here looking around like, what the heck am I supposed to do? I, I could see Luca being the next superstar that wants out of where he is. It feels like a million years ago. They were in the conference <clears throat> finals. Yeah, last year. And they were, <laughs> when they acquired Kyrie Irving, they were the four seed yes. in the Western Conference. They were right there. They've mm. lost seven of their last eight games. So, I mean, they're a disaster. Anyway, there's a lot more to be said about this. We'll do a bunch more NBA as we continue. We're back in a flash on ESPN Radio. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun. Now streaming on Hulu. Greeny, the podcast. Hi, Greeny, back with you here on ESPN Radio. Uh, we are rolling along into a really big week for us again. Tomorrow is our release day, and so the book is called Got Your Number. We'll be doing a lot on it this week. If you'd like to be a part of the conversation, you can order it now, so you'll have it tomorrow. And, and, and again, tomorrow you should be able to walk into any bookstore in America and buy it. If you can't find it, please let us know that. 
Tweet at us using the hashtag got your number because we want to make sure that it is available as easily and in as many places as is possible. And, and the conversation will begin there if you'd like to be a part of it. You've already been wonderful. I mean, the pre-orders have been wonderful and you guys have been just great. If you want to be a part of the discussion, which seems to be picking up steam, um, the book is called Got Your Number and it's available for pre-order right now. We'll be on Good Morning America Friday. Hembo brought his babies to a book signing. I was made to hold one. Uh, yeah. I have a question about GMA. Yeah. Have you edited your faulty opinion that I should abstain from making jokes in the presence of Michael? No, you should unquestionably not. We, we did a little, you know, Q&A when we do our, our appearances for the book. We did some Q&A. We did. I got up and made a little speech. I turned to you every now and again. How many times did I get a big laugh, would you say, from that group? At least half a dozen. And how many did you? Uh, none. That's right. So if that doesn't tell you everything that you need to know, I think that should have told it to But you. in no case was I attempting to be funny. I didn't prepare any comedic content. And that, that's why everyone was so happy with us yesterday. And I think had you made an attempt to be funny, people would, not only would they have had a different impression, I think they would have returned the book. <laughs> <laughs> they would have brought it back and said, I no longer want to buy this. You are literally that kind of unfunny. So I'm, I'm sitting here, and I don't know if this is because Twitter has changed the way that it has changed now, or if this stuff is still what's trending. On my timeline, Bubba, the top trending topics are still WrestleMania and yesterday's women's college basketball game. Now, th- those those events are long over. I, the math on this, I don't know exactly what it is, but it's, you know, whatever it is, 16 hours, 18 hours. These events are long over. So Twitter now has a for you. Those things are the things that they put up there thinking I'll be interested. Isn't the trending still just the top trending topics in America? I don't have the slightest clue because I don't have any of the same I, That's uh, my understanding. you yeah. and I have this, presumably, the, the same interests, right? So, well, but, 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 my, but Bubba, what, if you go on, just go on Twitter. Open your Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> I'm seeing WrestleMania, Clark, Iowa as right. the top three. Yep. Those are the top. Those are still the top three trending topics. Go on yours. I'm seeing yeah. Hannity and Walt Disney on mine. Yeah, I have is different it, stuff. Is that clicking on for you or is that clicking on trending? Uh, it's under what's happening for me. Trending in the United States. Well, that's... that's that's not on the app. I think that's when you're looking on. I can't if, hear if you go. So, so what you're saying is that Twitter is different if you're looking at it on the app versus if you just log on to Twitter.com, which parenthetically I've never done in my entire life. Cam, what are your what right now? What does it say? If you click on United States trends, what does it show as the number one trending topic in the United States? Uh, I can only see the same tab that Hembo did. I'm, I'm having a hard time finding it on the app. What's happening, which is very different from what you guys are saying. <laughs> yeah, because my, my number one trending topic is WrestleMania trending with Roman and Triple H. But you're looking on the phone, right, Greeny? I'm looking on my phone. Yeah, me too, yeah. So why would different things be trending on the phone versus on my well, laptop? Well, because the other one says what's happening versus, I, I don't what know. What does that even mean? This is, I'm looking at tr- trending, same thing as you, United States trends. Oh, I got it, yep. Yep, it's the same, it's the same. I was looking at the wrong tab. So WrestleMania, I, I, Clark, Iowa. So this suggests that those three things are still the top trending Nothing topics? else is going on. So. Big in the United weekend. States, well, I mean, the former president of the United States is going to turn himself in to be indicted. I think that's that's going on. I mean, I, I, I miss I, that. I, I, one would think that that would be trending. Well, whatever. What I'm trying to say is <laughs> that if that is still, people are still that interested in it. I, I, I will repeat what I said earlier because you never know when people are joining the show. And maybe people do want more than I would have expected to hear my opinion on this. 
I, I had two very separate takes coming out of the women's championship game. We, we actually timed out the ending of our book signing yesterday so that we could get home to watch it. I thought it was imperative to watch it. And the growth, the explosion in, in the growth of the, the popularity of the sport is an indicator of that. I, I, when I got into this business, there's no way in the world we would have taken that into account in any of the decisions that we were making because it wouldn't have been something we would have expected would have been front and center on the minds of most sports fans. And now it clearly is. So that in and of itself, I think, is a great thing. And I think everyone should think it's a great thing. But let's put that aside for the moment. The two primary topics of controversy, if you will, from the women's championship game yesterday come from the officiating and then from let's just to use an overarching term for it the taunting that we saw at the very end let's start with the officiating because that's the one that bothered me the other one didn't bother me in the slightest the officiating was horrific i still can't believe what we saw yesterday what would kim mulkey have to do to get a technical foul I've been watching basketball since I'm five years old. I've never seen a coach get away with what she got away with yesterday. And to be clear, I don't have an opinion of Kim Mulkey one way or the other. But her opinion, she is on the floor. She is making contact with the official. And no technical is called. It's, I'm flabbergasted. I don't even know what to say. Like what? And, and and then the way they chose to officiate the game in general yesterday was so totally the opposite of what should have been the intention. Like officials can decide we're going to let them play today or we're going to call this tight. If you have some reason to believe that the game is going to degenerate into a fist fight is the reason that you call it tight because you don't want there to be problems. Other than that, let the players play. So many people are just starting to watch this sport. I'm not suggesting that it's the official's job to grow the sport, but it does stand a reason that in the absence of any other reason not to, let them play in a Hold championship on. game. Time out. Are yeah. you suggesting that with Kate, Clay, Caitlin Clark going on perhaps the greatest tournament run we've ever seen against the upstart LSU, you didn't want to see 37 fouls called in that game? <laughs> <laughs> That's my point. So they just woke up in the morning. Sometimes officials get it in their heads. Today, everything is a foul. They wake up. I don't know. They have breakfast. They're sitting there talking. What do you think? I don't know. Today, how about if everything is a foul? Okay, sounds good. Yesterday was a terrible day to make that decision. Caitlin Clark was given a technical foul for throwing the basketball behind her back to, in, to the baseline. What I'm watching on my screen is, is Kim Mulkey. She is making enough contact with the referee to warrant a 15-yard penalty in the NFL. <laughs> That's right. It could have been an actual foul. <laughs> like they could have called. They didn't have to call a technical on Kim Mulkey. They could have just called a foul on Did her. Did she get five? She fouled. Yeah, she fouled the official on a play. This this was an absolute travesty, and that. So that's my primary problem with it. Then we get to the part of it that I, I know has been a, a huge topic of conversation. We had Richard and, and I talked about it a little bit on the TV show this morning. We tried to get some other perspective on it this morning. and We just weren't able to because of people's travel schedules and stuff. That's just the way these things turn out sometimes. But anyway, my feeling on it was there are three delineations of reaction to what happened. And for those of you who didn't see it, the star of the LSU team made a mimicked the gesture that the star of the Iowa team had used the LSU stars name is Angel Reese 
and she mimicked the you can't see me sort of facial gesture that Caitlin Clark had used two nights prior in the game against South Carolina. And she did it a little bit more aggressively than Caitlin Clark had done. It sort of did it in her face uh, as the game is essentially ending. And then she was pointing at her own ring finger to say, you know, we got the ring and you did not. This is as the celebrations are beginning. In fact, in the shot that I'm seeing of it on our TV right now, one of the other women on LSU is, is, is doing the gritty. So they're, they're in celebration time. <clears throat> That's how the game ends. And some people are upset by this. And there are three different areas of this that I think are worthy of dissection. The first, if you're upset with this, are you upset because they're women? The, the idea of taunting an opponent, the idea of celebrating demonstratively during a sporting event is absolutely a part of sports today. If you want to equate it to bat flipping, if you want to equate it to Steph Curry doing the, you know, going to sleep, if you want to equate it to NBA players doing the too small thing in the lane, if you want to equate it to football players doing organized touchdown celebrations and things like that in the NFL, you may not like that, but that is a part of sports today. So if you just generally don't like it in sports today, then I have no issue with that. If you have the same complaint about what Angel Reese did yesterday, if you have the same complaint when this happens in the NFL or in the NBA, then God bless you. That you're more than entitled to your opinion. If you have a complaint because they're women, then that's your problem. Just be aware, you have a problem. If, and this is where it gets into obviously very sensitive ground, you have an issue with it when Angel Reese does it, but not when Caitlin Clark does it, it's almost impossible not to interpret the difference in that as racial. And so if your difference, if your issue with it is that one of the women is black and the other woman is white, just be aware, that's your problem. You have a problem. So that's the way I see it. To me, there's a third element of this, and that is age, which is to say these are very young women who are celebrating what has to this point been, I can't speak for all of them, the mo- probably the most emotional experience they've ever had. Going on a run through the, you know, the NCAA tournament to the national championship when you're 20 years old, I'm not sure how many bigger things than this have happened to you. So the emotion of the moment is going to spill out. And that, of course, applies 100% equally to the men who we will see on the floor tonight as well. So how young athletes in this day and age choose to celebrate their quote unquote one shining moment is their business. I'm old. I'm 55. I'm old enough to remember when that kind of thing is a fight. You do that kind of stuff. You do that in my face. I don't mean me particularly, but in sports, you do that kind of stuff on the field of play or on the court when the game is ending. That's going to be a brawl. I don't care what the score is, but we don't live in that world anymore. That's just not the way people, this is the way people celebrate in sports today. And it doesn't make any difference if they are men or they are women or they are white or they are black, but it does matter how old you are. So that to me is the one area. If you say, I don't like the way people celebrate in this day and age. I don't, I don't feel it's good sportsmanship. I don't feel it's the classy way. Okay. I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you're wrong. It's once you go beyond that point and you get into the area where these are women and we're much more accustomed to talking about men, or you go to the area where one of the women we're talking about is black and the other one is white and you view it differently that's when we go to an entirely different place. And again, I will just repeat, be aware. If you have a problem with that because of those reasons, then you're the one with the problem. 
No one else has a problem. These women don't have the problem. You're the one with the problem. So that's what I think. Any thoughts from anyone here? Yeah, gender aside, uh, race aside, age aside, my opinion on the taunting and this kind of behavior is completely meaningless. What matters is what these women want to do, how they choose to police their game, how they choose to express themselves. It's one of the reasons why I defend baseball's unwritten rules and don't generally favor bat flipping because so many baseball players adhere to those traditional things. That's their decision. That's how they want their game to be policed. That's how they want to express themselves. But these players, these women, have become social media sensations in large part because of behavior like this. And that is the very best way to capture young fans. So regardless of your opinion on the behavior, on the activity, this, the last few weeks, and, and behavior like this has been a triumph for women's basketball. My wife was more invested in the women's tournament this year than she was in the men's, than she was in the women's ever before, in large part because stuff like this really, really resonates with young fans. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the uh, emergence of the personalities of the stars involved has always been part and parcel of the growth of any sport. We don't we pay attention to sports. Well, I guess I was about to say something that's probably not right. I was about to say we first and foremost, we care about sports because of the people involved. The truth is, in this day and age, a lot of people care about it because of gambling. And that's different. A lot of people probably had not probably a lot of people had money on that game yesterday. And so that is going to influence things. But by and large, you know, I have a philosophy that I've adhered to throughout my entire uh, career. And I have used this phrase. Hembo has heard me say it many Mm. times. Um, to the, the Get Up team, we don't cover sports. We cover people. Those people play sports. And that's totally different. We don't sit here and cover games. We cover the people playing the games because people are interesting. And that's why, for the most part, why we care. So, look, congratulations to the women of LSU who do not deserve to have, who did not deserve to have the officials turn their triumphant moment into something that felt so unsatisfying. Uh, quickly, tonight, UConn and San Diego State, what do you have? So, UConn is a seven-point favorite in this game, one of, the, one of the largest spreads we've seen in the national title game in recent years, and three-fourths of the public is on Connecticut. Right, this is a lock. Hashtag KOD. The Kiss of Death. I love Connecticut. You got to fade me. The public loves Connecticut. You got to fade the public. If every instinct you have is wrong, then the opposite would have to be right. Congratulations to San Diego State. <laughs> the Aztecs are clearly going to cover tonight. That, I think, is a mortal lock, and it would not surprise me at all. If because of the provisions of the Greeny KOD, they wind up cutting down the nets and having their one shining moment. We'll see you to talk about it tomorrow. Same time, same place. Greeny on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcasts.